0: Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So who is your favorite preacher? I mean, I'm not saying that like, I, oh yeah, yeah, no, not me. No, seriously, who is your favorite preacher? I can remember when I was a child, Tommy Gilbert. Some of you may know Tommy Gilbert, Dot Gilbert. Uh, Tommy was the first preacher that I started really, you know, I would maybe zone in and out of, you know, sermons because 18 minutes seemed like uh, three hours to me when I was eight or nine or ten. But I can remember him sharing these stories that were so... Like they, you got lost in a good way in his stories because it felt like you were right there caught in his sermon. And it felt like Tommy was the kind of preacher, um, and may he rest in peace. He was the kind of preacher that you just felt like he was always, he was just talking to you. And he was the first guy that I remember. I remember Martin Case. Some of you who might have had some experience at Christ United Methodist, John Case was his brother. Everybody at Christ loves John. Well, I love Martin. And Martin was, uh, he only got in trouble when he talked about Ole Miss too much in the pulpit, right? Um, We had a lot of Ole Miss fans in, in Brookhaven, a lot of Mississippi State fans. And so he might get in trouble there, but he was full of life. And I remember his energy was always sort of kept you, kept you, Uh, um, listening. I remember, though, later on, um, when I was starting to uh, push and pull with going into full-time ministry, I started listening to other preachers, maybe more nationally known, Barbara Brown Taylor. I started listening to all her sermons because they were so just beautiful, and she's such a wordsmith and, and just very mesmerizing. There was also a A guy named Fred Craddock, he was a Disciples of Christ pastor, and Fred was five feet two inches tall. You could barely see him above the pulpit. He was a son of of an alcoholic who hated the church and would repeatedly tell him how much of a waste of time it was and what a waste of talent it was that his son Fred would, would preach Up until the day his father died. Um, Fred, uh, and he is deceased, but you could YouTube Fred Craddock. And it's like time stands still. Very powerful preacher. Will Willimon in seminary was the preacher at Duke Divinity School. And I so hated it for my wife, Jen, because I thought, my goodness, you're listening to one of the best preachers in the world. And now for the next... Thirty years, you get to listen to me, you know, um, and I know that was not easy. But they all had one thing in common, including the preachers that I know are are, are kind of going through your mind right now. Here's what they had in common: they all shared the good news. There, there was something. Good that you could find in it, that you could you could walk out of the sanctuary and go, yes, there's hope even for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into it. They shared the good news after all. That's what gospel means. Good news. Now, this is strange and this may surprise you, but Jesus' favorite preacher was John the Baptist. He loved John the Baptist. And all four gospels, they loved him too. They all start with this weird guy who ate locusts and was way was this country bumpkin, way out from Jerusalem. He waded the muddy waters of the Jordan River. It was a strange place to be preaching. It was not some beautiful cathedral. He didn't just preach, he raged and raved and ranted at people. Um, I thought it was funny that we got Julia to, to read that. You know, it's such an invective. It's, there's so much toxicity in there, right? Uh, you, I mean, I've never started off a sermon with, you brood of vipers. You know, that would not be a really good way to start, um, you know, when the people, but John the Baptist didn't care. It's like the Gospels are saying, you can't understand Jesus if you don't understand John first. Jesus sounded so much like John when he started preaching that some people thought that Jesus was John. King Herod, who had done away with John the Baptist, thought John had come back from the dead, it says in the Gospels. Now, we preachers like to emulate our favorite preachers. You know, I, I can remember listening to take cassettes of all these people that I love and I would probably was preaching their sermons, you know, early on because um, I didn't know how to do it and I was so intimidated and it took years to kind of find my own vo- voice. But Jesus did the same. He, his first line in his first sermon was, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Almost exactly what John the Baptist said. Jesus said of John the Baptist, There has never been a greater man born of woman than John John was Jesus's favorite preacher but when I heard Julia read the gospels I had a hard time figuring out where all the good news was where is the good news did it sound like good news to you no thank you very much appreciate that you know Aristotle. You know it was great speeches. He talked about speeches. He said the first thing you need to do when you start speaking was you begin with ethos, which is find something in common with your listeners, ingratiate yourself with your listeners, say something good about the town you're visiting, or anything. Flatter them. Evidently, evidently, John did not read Aristotle's book, right? He probably didn't read, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie, right? John said, you think I'm tough? He said, you just wait till my understudy, Jesus gets after you, right? John got in the faces of soldiers in the empire, tax collectors. He chewed out bureaucrats. Even bishops and district superintendents he didn't get along with very well. You know, we all like our metaphors, and you'll always hear a metaphor or two from a sermon. His metaphors are an axe. How lovely, how sweet. A winnowing fork. Fire. He talked about God turning his back on you good people. God's going to turn his back on you, and from these muddy waters it's going to raise up. From the worst kind of people... Better than you. Come, he said. Be baptized. Come clean. Start again. Refresh your lives. You precious brood of vipers. Right? Why was he such a draw? Why did people travel miles, as Fred Craddock once said? Why did people sit on the hoods of their, of their, of their camels to listen to him preach by the Jordan River? I think it's because John dared to speak of the possibility of change. I can change. You can change. We can change. And maybe just like today, they thought things are always going to be the same. Nothing's going to change in my life. Nothing's going to change in my town or this country. It's all just no good and hopeless. But to hear somebody in the Jordan saying that I might could change, that my life could change, that this world could change, that's good news. Now it says in Luke that the multitudes came, and many, many people, and they came and they loved to listen to him preach, but not everybody. King Herod, of course, did not because he was in power. He had everything to lose. Those in power don't want change. So Herod put him behind bars and put that man to death. But Luke says, in Luke's gospel, most people could not get enough of John the Baptist's preaching. Because he spoke of the gift of change. And that does sound like good news if you think about it. It also kind of seems impossible. But we hope it's true, don't we? We come to church on Sunday hoping against hope that maybe my situation or what I'm struggling with or something in this world can change. But it's a hard hope. It's a hard challenge. A counselor who did pastoral counseling told a friend of mine, said, you know, I've done 20 years of pastoral counseling, and the one thing I've learned is that people never change. He said, yeah, they might tweak a little bit, but they don't, they don't change. NPR, a few years ago, in the Atlanta Federal Prison, they interviewed a guy that was serving 30 years for one ounce of crack cocaine. They asked him, how do you feel that you're in here for longer than some who have murdered and manslaughtered and have committed violent crimes? And he answered the reporter, Americans have just lost faith that a criminal can change. But John the Baptist says otherwise. Might burn, might hurt, might be uncomfortable, but it's good news. My third class in accounting at Mississippi State was horrible. I had already barely made a C in accounting one, almost failed accounting two. And I walked up to my accounting teacher for managerial accounting, the third thing I had to take to get my degree and I was dreading it so I was trying to be nice to my teacher maybe a little charm would work you know so I walked up first day of class Dr. Johnson I said I am horrible at this and this really intimidates me and uh, just know I'm not going to be a very good student she said well Mr. Case you haven't had me yet so sit down this is the first day of the new class Hey, and I made an A in her class, so that was good. Close family member of mine got hooked on Adderall so she could get a 4.0 because she needed to have a 4.0 to get to med school. And she spiraled into some of the worst years, and it was so stressful on my family. She spiraled out of control. She got kicked out of school. And she was told, because of what she had done in her life, that she would never be a doctor. Forget about it. We had to make some tough choices. Tough love. And when we were talking to people in the uh, counseling business in Mississippi, so to speak, they said, get ready. The average addict fails nine times in rehab before there's even uh, any hope. We slumped our shoulders and walked away. Jesus says, you can change. Jesus says, don't believe that pastoral counselor. (laughs) It may be frightening and it may be a as painful as an axe, fire, and winning fork, but you can change. That's why I came, said Jesus, so that you could change and find possibilities and get through whatever valley you're walking through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear. Why? Because thou art with me. And things can change. And we say, Jesus, but you don't know us. I have flunked at life. And Jesus says, you've never had me as your teacher. You've never had me as your God and your Savior and your Redeemer. Believe it, things can change. John the Baptist, my favorite preacher, is. He's telling the truth. And your world will shift and the fire will burn away the chaff. You will be different by the time I've had you, says Jesus. The stone that you think can't be moved can be moved. Some of you who are fishermen, fisherwomen, and fish, and love to fish, and you're in a boat all the time, and you live near the lake, you know that when you're in a boat, that the wake of the boat does not determine the direction of the boat. And Jesus says on a dime, things can change. And the people that you're praying about and worried about, things can change. Yesterday, I was in Mobile. In, a, in the sectionals, combo, uh, tennis tournament, doing great up until my car didn't start. And I was worried about how I was going to get home, right? So I had to call know, Luigi's tow truck or some, somebody come up. And I was just getting ready to go, well, I'm about to have to drop him in at the Jeep Chrysler, you know, right there. And they're going to have to come back and pick up the car. The guy came up. Uh, in the tow truck about 30 minutes uh, after I called and the, his name was William he had a patch on his shirt and he said hey before I pull this car on here are you sure that the battery's not just dead I said I'm sure that the battery is not dead This has got to be an alternator or starter or something he said are you sure I said I'm really really sure because I got a battery at the auto zone last week no way it can be the battery he pulled out the jumper cables, did a couple of testing, and he said, you have a dead battery. I said, praise Jesus. It's a lot of... He said, I got a battery to take you, uh, to, get, to sell to you. And I said, I'll take it. And, um, um, and then he went on to say, you know, I always like to do this. You know, some tow trucks, they're just going to get that money, and they're going to take you straight there and take their money. But I like helping people. And then I started looking at his face, looking at his eyes. And, I, and, and, and like he had a tattoo on his ears. Like there were notes on his ears, music notes. I thought, that is so interesting. Um, and, and we got to talking and suddenly he said, yeah, I've, I've had a rough, rough patch in my life and I served some time. He said, but you know why I love this job? Because I love helping people. And Jesus says... I have come that you might have life. I have come that you can change. And change isn't always easy. And it is not always pretty. But you can have life. We're here in Advent because we hope this is true. Because the world comes at us and tries to tell us that, nope, that's impossible anymore. Everybody's going to stay the same. I think that's why we love Christmas. A baby's on the way. We just baptized this beautiful baby. A baby's on our on the way into our lives, and if we take this seriously, we know everything's about to change in our lives. Just like when a baby comes in your life, everything changes. It's a fresh start, the whole world starting over again. And this baby Jesus, as we gather around a very exhausted Mary and Joseph, we want so badly to know that our lives. Our relationships in our world can be different. Make a way, says John. Make a way. God is coming. Things are about to change. And y'all, I know it is scary. But Christ came so that we might, that our lives might be changed. You know, really, I'm just preaching on repentance. But that's such a loaded word that I didn't even want to say it today. But it's not a bad word. It's a good word. It means metanoia. It means change of mind. That God has come that we might change our mind. Change is scary. But I think God is calling all of us to change. To wake up. To find a fresh new start as we prepare for the Christ child coming our way. There was a uh, Fred Craddock tells a story of a preacher who um, who walked into a hospital room, a very helpless, hopeless situation. The woman was almost certain to die, and she had a very terrible illness and and they were talking a little bit, and uh, finally he said, well, what can of, you know, what would you like me to pray for? And she says, of course, that I be healed. And um, I thought, okay, okay. So they prayed, and uh, he prayed her sweet little pretty prayer, and uh, all of a sudden her eyes kind of like that, she sort of sat up, and then she put her feet over the bed, and Something's changed here. She gets up, she walks out and tells the nurses that that she's been healed. She couldn't believe it. Well, that little that young pastor just kind of slinked out of the door and walked down the stairwell and uh, stunned that the prayer worked. Well, he, he wasn't ready for that kind of change. He finally got into the to his car, stunned and about to open the door, and he looked up at the sky and he said, Lord, don't ever do that to me again. You watch out, says John the Baptist. Somebody's coming and things are about to change. Amen. Invite you to turn in your hymnals as we prepare for the um, Lord's Supper. It's page 12. What, What page is it in your?